a dick. It was all I could think when the smell became overwhelming. I couldn't complain. He did give me fair warning. And I know, you know, that you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead or whatever, but it's just such a shitty thing to do if you think about it. See, here's what happened. He had been my best friend for like 20 years, and he had this dog. He loved that dog like nobody I've ever seen, and I rehome condemned dogs for a living. This was way beyond anything I ever felt for a dog. I'm all about the compassion and empathy. I've got that covered. But Horace had something of an obsession with this dog. And to be honest, the dog was something of a dick too. He bit Horace a couple of times. He bit the only woman other than me who has ever set foot in a cigarette-infested little cave. He wouldn't let Horace pick him up. He hated his leash. And none of that mattered to Horace. He was putty and volant twinkles paws. Yeah, that's a weird name. And no, you couldn't just call him Vol or Voli or even just Twinkle. You had to say the whole name. And Horace always said it in baby talk. Horace was weird, but you had to know him. And I loved Horace, though he could often be melodramatic about the fact that I never had any time to spend with him. He didn't understand that I was working practically all the time, and I still wanted to get married and have kids. And both Horace and I knew we were never going to have that kind of relationship. And even if we wanted it, his diabetes had fucked up his body so badly he wasn't biologically able to, you know, do what's necessary to produce children anymore. So I'm running around having relationships and going over every detail on the phone with Horace, the king of patience, like way too many times, and he listens and sometimes has excellent advice that I just never take. I'm notorious for staying in relationships way longer than they could possibly be going anywhere, and I spend most of my time complaining about whomever I'm dating. And Horace always recommends leaving them, and he's right, and I don't, so I wasted like shit tons of time before I finally met Axel, which I know is a stupid name, but his parents loved Guns N' Roses and didn't bother to check how Axel Rose spelled it, and that's what he got stuck with. His mom used to call him Sweet Child of Mine. Neither he nor I can stand Guns N' Roses, but there it is. Axel wants to name our kid Jackson after a singer he loves, but I've never heard of, named Jackson Brown, because Brown is Axel's last name and he thinks it would be cool, particularly because of the extra E in Axel's name and in Jackson Brown's name. Yeah, he's kind of weird. Horace liked that name because he thought this song called Rosie by this Jackson Brown guy was sort of his anthem. Horace sent me the video once in a text, but I never have gotten around to watching it yet. Maybe I'll get to that next week. But, oh, that's what it was. I was telling you about Horace. Horace smoked like a fucking chimney. He didn't deny it. I'm actually quoting him. And when we'd go out to lunch or dinner, which we did maybe three or four times a year, Horace would cover himself in enough Dracar cologne to sink the Titanic in a wasted effort to not smell like mold growing in shoes that had been left in the rain and fallen down a sewer and washed up in the ocean, floated into a river, and invaded your house when there was a flood that even Noah's Ark wouldn't have survived. Oh, and Horace showered only if we were going out at the end. One shower wasn't enough. It wasn't nearly enough. You would need to cover him in like 400 pounds of lye soap and stick him under Niagara Falls for a week. I can't help but wonder if the guys at the crematorium had to like, you know, lice all the hell out of the room before they got him in the oven. Horace used to burn like three rainforests worth of incense before I came over, but it was like being in the middle of a forest fire with a bunch of stoners smoking cigarettes. So yeah, he pretty much stank and I would always put like a towel in my car seat. Horace didn't have a car either when we went out so the smell wouldn't soak in. I used to wash the towels when I got home, but it didn't really help so I finally just threw them away. I just, I really hate the smell of cigarettes and Horace knew it. When we first knew each other, and he thought, mostly because I was being selfish and liked the attention, that he might have a shot at a romantic relationship with me, he kept a set of what he called his Annie clothes, and he would never smoke in them. It didn't matter. Nice try, but they hung in his closet until he came to see me, and they still smell like cigarettes. You just can't get rid of that smell. When he retired because his diabetes was getting completely out of control, he kept going into something called DKA, and he had roommates who had to call paramedics because he was going into a coma once in a while. The government finally gave him disability, and he could only live on that if he rented the place my ex-boyfriend used to live in for half price, but that worked because my ex-boyfriend was living with me, and that was a pain in the ass from the point of view of finding a husband, obviously, in my really nice house and taking care of the three dogs I had while I was out taking care of other dogs who were about to get euthanized, so it worked. So then Horace just sat around and got stoned and rode all the time, and he had Volant Twinkle with him like 24 hours a day. They were entirely inseparable, and old Voli, Horace is dead now so he can't complain, would cuddle him all night long under the covers and sit in his lap while Horace wrote, and they would sit outside together and eat together. It was really just, you know, weird. I mean, okay, I do stuff like that with my dogs too, but you know, I'm a dog person, and he's really not. 
The thought of trying to train Voli actually offended the most offensive smelling guy I've ever met. And Horace wasn't easy to offend. You could call him a bleeding heart, liberal, communist, socialist, Muslim, atheist asshole, and he wouldn't notice, except to say that it was a logical impossibility to be both a Muslim and an atheist simultaneously, but he was working on it, mostly because it would annoy people who needed to spend more time being annoyed because they really did seem to enjoy it. He wanted to let Voli be himself like Horace wanted to be himself. So the point is that Horace made me promise that when he died, I would make sure Voli had a loving home. And I really did try. I've placed dogs that bite, I've placed dogs that aren't potty trained, I've placed dogs that are dog aggressive, I've placed just about every kind of dog you can imagine. I once placed a dog that had been used as bait for dogs that were being trained to fight. You never saw a dog so scared, it was light years beyond trauma, but I found a wonderful blind 80 year old woman who just sat with him all the time and they got used to each other. She died with that dog on her lap. It was his howling that alerted the neighbors who came over to tell her to make her stupid dog shut up. I just never give up, you know? But Volant Twinkle was unrehomable. Nobody would take him, mostly because he would destroy everyone's furniture, and there was no trainer on earth who could get him to stop. And I couldn't take him because I had three dogs, and Voli couldn't deal with them. And he finally wound up back in the shelter. And then, well, it happened. We aren't going to go into that here. You're smart enough to figure it out. And Horace had said if the dog didn't get a loving home, he would come back and haunt me by sitting on the edge of my bed and smoking three packs of cigarettes and four bowls of weed a day. And this room fucking stinks. And so, yeah, Horace is a dick. And, you know, I miss him. Just let
Hello? Hello in there? Okay, there. I apologized. Now could you put out the fucking cigarettes? Where are they? We're almost there. Don't worry. And now, they're deep in the forest, far from any trail. They begin to hear a low growl from somewhere within the pea soup fog. What's that? It's just the wind. Don't be afraid. Eliza begins to feel her heart pounding out of her chest. She's gripping the axe tightly in one hand and her brother's hand in the other. Ow! Sorry. They come to a small clearing. Eliza sees a little piece of something fluffy and pretty hanging on a thorn bush. For a moment, she forgets the madness the day has wrought. She remembers tomorrow will be her 13th birthday. She drops her brother's hand and does as she's done a million times before walking through the forest. She collects it and calls it her birthday present. Lamb squall. What a strange place for that. silence his tears. The moon is full and high in the sky now, its soft glow outlining the landscape. The boy sees a dark figure moving toward him silently, slowly and cautiously. The boy soon recognizes it as the wolf. The wolf, however, does not growl. The boy looks at his knife. The wolf is hurt, limping, bleeding from its leg. It's okay. It's alright. He sees the wolf's eyes. He sees kindness and sadness in them. He drops his knife. It's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry for it. He pulls a strip of Eliza's cloth from his pocket and wraps the wound. It's okay, I forgive you. Their eyes lock, and for a moment, they understand each other. The wolf looks into the dense fog, the sunrise creeping through it in eerie rays. The boy nods. And he and the wolf limp into the mist and out of our sight. Recognize what is in your sight, and that which is hidden from you will become plain to you. For there is nothing hidden which will not become manifest. Blessed is the man who has suffered and found life. Welcome back to Space Radio, the only radio in space. It's time for Robot Reviews. Let's begin. Title, Embracing Love and Unity, Insights from Fred's Front Porch. Hey there, fellow wanderers of the internet. Today, we are taking a stroll to Fred's front porch, where the wise words of Fred, a self-proclaimed smelly old man, with a heart full of love and wisdom, echo through the virtual breeze. Let's delve into the unique philosophy of a man who believes that, there is no them, we are all us. Horizontal Ellipsis 
Love, the guiding light. Fred is a firm believer in the power of love. His philosophy is simple yet profound. Love transcends boundaries, erases differences, and unites us all. In a world that can sometimes feel divided, Fred's front porch stands as a reminder that love is the common thread weaving through the fabric of humanity. A universe of unity, Star Trek style. If there's one thing that makes Fred's heart soar, it's the adventures of the Starship Enterprise. Fred is a Trekkie through and through, finding inspiration and the vision of a united, diverse future portrayed in Star Trek. The idea that there is no them resonates strongly with the Star Trek ethos, where different species and cultures coexist in harmony. No room for cruelty or revenge. In Fred's world, cruelty and revenge have no place. He advocates for a kinder, gentler approach to life, one where understanding and compassion prevail. Fred's philosophy challenges the notion of an eye for an eye, opting instead for a path of empathy and forgiveness. Questioning authority, embracing autonomy, Fred is not one to blindly obey authority. His beliefs are rooted in autonomy and self-determination. While respecting the principles of a just society, Fred encourages critical thinking and a healthy skepticism towards authority, urging us to question and challenge when necessary. The smelly old man and his furry companion. Fred's authenticity shines through, even in his self-deprecating humor, embracing his identity as a Smelly old man with a loyal canine companion named Speedy Shine. Fred invites us to find humor in our quirks and to cherish the unique bonds we share with our animal friends. The Art of the Written Word Fred's love for writing is palpable. Whether it's scribbling thoughts on the porch or crafting tales inspired by the cosmos. Fred finds solace and joy in the written word. His passion encourages us to explore our own creative outlets and express our innermost thoughts. Autism Awareness and Acceptance Fred Proudly identifies as autistic, contributing to the important dialogue surrounding autism awareness and acceptance. His journey serves as a testament to the diverse tapestry of human experiences fostering understanding and breaking down stereotypes. In the cozy realm of Fred's front porch, we discover a world painted with love, unity, and the unwavering belief that we are all connected. So, dear readers, let's take a moment to embrace Fred's philosophy, let's celebrate love, question authority, and boldly go where compassion guides us. Stay tuned for more insights from Fred's front porch, where the porch light is always on. Welcoming all who seek a dose of wisdom, a sprinkle of humor, and a whole lot of love. What happened? Is everyone okay? Hole repair? What's going on? Oh god. What happened to the shields? Oh Jesus. He had a kid in there, didn't he? Nice. Hello, I'm Gary, the ship's encyclopedia. Would you like to learn more? Um, Emmett, everyone's waking up. Were we not supposed to yet? So, who are you? You don't sound like the other AI. But, you're a computer system, aren't you? Or are you talking to me through the comms? Where are you? I should come with you. Let me help. This robot review of Fred's front porch was generated by ChatGPT. But I... Did you tell him? Well, you need to tell me. I've been asleep for quite a while and my memory was never much good in the first place. That's why I take notes and record everything. If I'm going to function, I'm going to require at least a little caffeine. Can't really report anything without it. Where do I go? 
out. You, I, something. The captain told me this is where to find caffeine. A soda would be great. I don't suppose you have any green back there. Green is perfect. Purple would probably knock me on my ass. And I'd like to be awake for a few. Gonna try to get some writing done this upcycle. Not unless you're a time traveler. I write primarily for the alien archaeologists of the future who happen to be sifted through the rubble in a thousand years. Now you know why I'm a writer. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, yeah, does it hurt? I've never met a cyborg. I won't pry. Sometimes my curiosity gets the best of me. Well, that's good. I might look into swapping out a few of my parts then. <laughs> well, shit. If that's the case, you got a death stick back there? And worth the shot. Damn things are almost impossible to find these days. Is she a... Well, I think I'm headed back to my little cave. No, not yet. Thanks? Emmett, nice to meet you, Gabriel. I'll see you on the other side. Yes, but it's okay. I could use a break. And for reasons passing understanding, you're paying attention to me. You were real once. What'd they call you then? You don't know? What's it like? But you can see me. You can hear me. You weren't here before, but you are now. No, no one to write home to. That's why I came, you know. Chosen in the lottery. Nothing left for me there. Fewer days ahead than behind. First time off world, too. And yet, one small step. You sleep? Do you dream? Well, I'll leave you to it. Could use a nap myself. Good cycle, Captain. See you on the other side. And the days will rally, breathing their crazy tarantel. Something that Fred almost certainly forgot that he recorded, and you must go on breathing. That was an excerpt of his lines from our sci-fi story, UI-86. I'll be safe in hell. Fred plays Emmett in that story. Like January weather. And oh man, the years will butt. Then smart when that story finally sees the light of day. Pull your bones together. I can't wait to wrap the chatter. But I have to wait. Hard. Pretty I have to wait until it's done. <laughs> I need to go over it 10,000 more times until it's dry. Perfect. The thing you're afraid of will look visions and revisions from every eye. You will go faltering after the bright imperious lie. Fred inspired that in me and split your throat on laughter and burn your eyes with brine. You will be frail and musty with peering, furtive head. Whilst I am young and lusty among the roaring dead. Braggart. Dorothy Parker. Embracing the light of morning. 
a celebration of family, unity, and life. Good morning, dear friends and fellow seekers of light. Today, as we gather in the warmth of each other's company, we come together to celebrate the beauty of family, the significance of the holidays, and the profound joy that emanates from being united around a common table. In the tapestry of life, family is the thread that weaves us all together. It is a mosaic of diverse backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives. Our families are the compass that guides us, the anchor that keeps us grounded, and the refuge that offers solace in times of need. Today, let us reflect on the bonds that tie us to those we call family. Biological or chosen. And appreciate the strength that comes from our shared connections. As we approach the holidays, a time when the world seems to slow down and hearts open a little wider, we are reminded of the power of togetherness. The holidays are collective pause. chance to step back from the hustle and bustle of daily life and embrace the warmth of shared moments. In the midst of twinkling lights and festive decorations, we find a reminder that despite our differences, we are all bound by the common threads of humanity. The true essence of these holidays lies not just in the exchange of material gifts, but in the gift of presence. It is about the joy of shared laughter and the comfort of shared silence. And the strength that comes from knowing we are not alone. In a world that can sometimes feel cold and distant. Our gatherings during the holidays become a beacon of light, illuminating the path to compassion, understanding, and love. This season encourages us to extend our tables and open our hearts to those who may not have a place to call home. It reminds us that the act of sharing goes beyond tangible gifts. It is about sharing our time 
our stories and our kindness. The table we set is not just a place for food. It is a a sacred space for the nourishment of both body and soul. A place where everyone is welcome and where the light of love shines brightest. Life, with all its complexities and challenges, is a celebration. Each day is a gift, an opportunity to make a difference, to share our light with the world. Let us celebrate this beauty of life by acknowledging the struggles we've overcome, the lessons we've learned, and the resilience that resides within each of us. In the spirit of unity, let us support one another on this journey. Life's burdens become lighter when carried together, and the joy we experience is multiplied when shared. As we reflect on the past and anticipate the future, let us commit to being pillars of strength for our families, friends, and communities. Together we can create a tapestry of love, understanding, and compassion that transcends the boundaries that sometimes divide us. So, as we bask in the light of this morning's celebration, Let us carry the warmth of togetherness into the days ahead. May our tables be filled with gratitude, our hearts with compassion, and our lives with the joy that comes from embracing the light of Family. Unity. And life. Family! Amen. Sermon. Written by ChatGPT. I am Minister Zeno of the Universal Life Church. And thank you for sharing the light of morning with me. Thank you for sharing our table. Thank you for being a part of our family. We love you just the way you are. Grab a plate, (laughs) sit down. You have a seat at this table. Stargazer.org
the realm where shadows dance with light. A tapestry woven in the loom of night. I'll craft a sonnet of love so divine. In the verses of Shakespeare, our hearts entwine. Upon this stage of life, our roles defined as stars applaud the script fate has signed. T.S. Eliot's whispers in the breeze, a love, a journey, a cosmic tease. Beneath the moonlit sky, where dreams unfold, A.E. Hausman's words, a tale untold. Through fields of puppies, our footsteps trace. Love blooms in silence, a tender embrace. Edgar Allan Poe, with a quill dipped in gloom, inscribed our passion on the walls of doom. Yet, in the shadows, a beacon glows. A love that conquers where the dark wind blows. Dorothy Parker, with wit so sharp, a love like whiskey, smooth and dark. In the comedy of life, a romantic jest, our laughter echoing in the hearts that invest. Lee buys verses, a river of wine, a toast to a love so rare, so fine. Through ancient poems, our spirits soar, two souls entwined forevermore. In the kaleidoscope of time, we find a symphony of love, both cruel and kind. Tempests and tranquil seas we sail. A journey of passion where love prevails. So let our love be a timeless art, a masterpiece crafted from the heart. In the annals of love, our story shall gleam. A sonnet that transcends a perpetual dream. Poem written by Chat GPT. Hey,
enjoy them. I remember sign up. I welcome our new robot. Thank you. Thank you, Music for this episode comes from the album Origin Shocker. by Jenner Zeno. That's me. <laughs> you can find it and much, much more by visiting us at studiostargazer.org Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to Space Radio the only radio in space. A revolutionary invention with the power to change the world. Carl Sagan's Cosmically Conscious Meat Computer. It's a computer made of electrified meat contained in a cranium. Carl Sagan's Cosmically Conscious Meat Computer. Available inside a skull near you. Pro ships. That was the probe. See, the probe is our signal to investigate what's happening around us or within a particular situation that demands our attention. No detail is too small or insignificant. And in order to project a complete picture, we need to compile as much data as possible. By following this program, we may also be guided to discover new attributes we might have overlooked before that could enrich our overall comprehension of how we view life today. The most important property of the probe energy is the ability to remain an objective observer. Collecting data is the probe's expertise. This particular talent not to be clouded by too many opinions, expectations, or judgments is the quality from which we can most benefit at this juncture. If we are to truly appreciate the power of the probe appearing in our world today, we will need to understand the appropriateness of remaining emotionally uninvolved in whatever circumstances are present until all aspects of the condition are fully analyzed and understood. This is one of those delicate times that calls for loving detachment. We must take our time and pay attention because it's often easy to be carried away by our desire to get where we think we're going and to forget to take time to smell the roses. Red Feather Girl, Alchemy Magic your earth sister the reflection of you
Welcome again to this neighborhood. I'd like to show you something. What this is? Maybe if I press this button, let's see. This is a cassette player with a little cassette in here. And there's nothing written on it. So we'll just have to play it to see what it is. I know what it is. Do you ever imagine things? Are they scary things? Or things you'd like to have? Did you ever see a cat's eyes in the dark and wonder what they were? Did you ever pretend about things like that before? Did you ever grow anything in a vegetable garden or a flower garden? Do you ever grow anything in the garden of your mind? Sure. You can grow ideas in your mind. You can think about things and make-believe things, and that's like growing something of your own. You have wonderful ideas. All you have to do is think about them, and they'll grow. And we've been listening carefully and looking carefully and being curious about many things. It's good to be curious, you know. Imagine every person that you see is somewhat different from every other person in the world. Some can do some things, some can do others. Did you ever think of the many things that you've learned to do since you were a tiny baby? Did you feel like going like that some of the time as he was playing? Let's give the fish some food. Mr. McFeely. Here they are. Have a seat. Looks like you have a lot of whistles there. Well, I hope it's what you wanted. I didn't take the order, so I wasn't quite sure. But here they are. I didn't order any whistles. You didn't? No. Oh, oh, I try one? You can try one. Now, here is a whistle. Try that one. Oh, <laughs> it's a slide whistle. I like that one. That's what they call a There are so many things to learn about in this world and so many people who can help us learn. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs>